Internets, welcome to another episode of Step Off Radio, the official podcast of Step Off Magazine. Happy New Year, everybody. I can't believe it's already 2023. I hope you all had a happy holiday and a wonderful time bringing in the new year. Hopefully, wherever you might be listening from, you're finally getting a reprieve from that cold weather that a lot of places have been experiencing over the winter, and your new year hasn't been too chilly. Fortunately, out here in the Southwest, the temperature normally doesn't dip below the 60s, Maybe the high 50s if you want to call that quote-unquote cold, but for the most part, we don't get those frigid weather and icy conditions that a lot of other places are getting right now. So I hope y'all are safe, you're staying warm, wherever you might be listening from. Internets, before we introduce our guest, we have a special announcement to make. On Saturday, February 25th, Step Off Magazine, in collaboration with the San Diego Justice Center, will be hosting the People's Block Party, our first ever live show to celebrate our album, The Collection. The show will feature performances by some of your favorite acts featured on the album. Featured performers include artists such as Odessa Kane, Tulangwa, Rick Scales, Cosmic Force, Indigenous Cats, Azamali, Chicano de Oro, and Fancy P with more to be announced. The show will be held at the San Diego Justice Center. Doors open at 6.30. We will have food, drinks, vendors, and we will be raffling off a series of prizes throughout the night. If you're in San Diego or the Southern California area, this is one show you will not want to miss. So, internets, on Saturday, February 25th, we hope you all will join us for the People's Block Party. Hope to see y'all there. Internets, today we have a very special episode of Step Off Radio today. Like I said earlier, it's a brand new year. We have a lot of incredible guests that we plan to have on the show this year, but today we wanted to start things off with a good old-fashioned hip-hop interview. Today on the show, our guests are none other than rapper, podcast host, and entrepreneur Kilsey Ray and producer and podcaster extraordinaire Gene Flo, who together compromised the hip-hop duo The Invisible Ponchos. For today's episode, Kilsey Ray and Gene Flo came on the show to talk about their experiences as MCs, producers, podcast hosts, and their general experience as independent artists in San Diego's eclectic hip-hop scene. We got to have a really great conversation about hip-hop, podcasting, got some really great insight from two incredible artists who have made a name for themselves as innovators and envelope pushers here in the local scene. So with that said, without further ado, Internets, we present to you our conversation with the Invisible Ponchos. All right, Internets, welcome to another episode of Step Off Radio, the official podcast of Step Off Magazine. I am your host, Rob Camacho, and joining me is... 
Jose, like always, ready and happy to be here in the San Diego Justice Center, about to talk some hip-hop and some uh, underground hip-hop here in San Diego. All right, already, you know what time it is. So join us today. We have MC and producers extraordinaire. They are MCs, they are podcasters, they're journalists, and they're producers. Ladies and gentlemen, internets, please give a big round of applause for Kill C. Ray and Gene Flo. Welcome to the show, guys. Nice. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> that's tight they got me hyped right now there we go. i was waiting for like the audience to kick in <laughs> that's when the that's when the track will kick in yeah so, i mean that, that means oh i mean the, the audience was loud today yeah that's what i meant to say thank you thank you you're all far, far too kind of course guys you know so for so for listeners out there that might not be familiar with your work you know tell us a little bit about yourselves you know introduce yourselves you know where you're from and what is exactly that you guys do uh, what's going on, everybody? I'm Gene Flo. I'm from San Diego, California. South Bay kid myself. Uh, born and raised. I am an artist. I make beats, host podcasts, uh, co-creator, co-conspirator in the Invisible Ponchos with my brother, Kill C. Ray. And yeah, man, just out here trying to create moments. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm Chris. I'm a producer, MC. I, I'm a, I, I consider myself just an artist, really. I think it's the easiest way to sum it up. And I'm a futurist. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's start at the beginning, you know. Let's talk about your early years. You mentioned you're from the South Bay. Do you know, like, you're from, you know, Barrio Logan. Mm -hmm. And let's kind of talk about the kind of musical influences or what kind of was going on in your household. Did you come from like a musical artistic household? Mm. You know, and if you did, like what kind of music did you listen to growing up? And what was kind of just like playing regularly in your households, you know? Like what was kind of there laying that foundation for obviously what would become, you all are like basically modern day Renaissance people doing all <laughs> these different things. So what was playing in that, in those formative years? Uh, for me growing up, there was... Anything from Gypsy Kings to mm. Alabama to the Beatles, you know, all around Prince. Oh, there we go. You know, there so we it was well-versed uh, music. And those that was really like my parents. And then my brother, I would say, my older brother influenced me in rap and hip-hop, mainly with mainstream stuff, most like Tupac, Bone Thugs. My first rap record was Bone Thugs and Harmony, East 1999. Um, so that's where that started going down that rabbit hole. Um, Duh. Yeah, there's name more. We spend all day talking about music influences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I uh, my family's very. Uh, there's a lot of art in my family. My I'm like a second generation artist in in Body of Logan. My uncle was in a band called the Velvetones, um, and they had kind of like you know some. Like local success, I think they were like even in like an independent movie. They they played with he played with Ray Charles, BB oh, King, wow. like as a, in backup bands and stuff. And then I had a cousin who was like heavy into. Um, I mean, I come to find out later that he, he was just really into like, like just out of the box music, and it just so happened that some of that out of the box music was hip hop. And that's what I gravitated to. And early on, I remember like Freestyle Fellowship was like a really big one for me. Um, hearing like what they were doing and knowing that they were just like, you know, 200 miles like right north and that that was happening. You know what I mean? Like that whole project blowed and all that stuff kind of really got me into um, 
like what I, I I think it was like the beginnings of like what I eventually became like listening to that kind of music. But yeah, my early influences were like probably a lot of underground and independent rap. Awesome, no doubt. So both of you are multidiscipline artists. You guys are both producers. You guys are both podcasters. Um, and needless to say, you both have a profound appreciation for hip hop. And here on Step Off, we kind of notice a pattern that everyone that we have on the show seems to have a aha moment. There mm-hmm. is a moment where people go from just simply being fans and consumers of the art to participants. And they realize this is something I want to do for the rest of my life. And I wanted to ask both of you guys, was there like, what was your guys' aha moment when you wanted to become a participant in the culture? The first, literally, like, the first time I paid attention to, like, music was probably, like, in the sixth or seventh grade. That's when I first, because I think I got, like, a tape recorder. But the first hip-hop I heard was too short, believe it or not. Talking about the ghetto. Funky, funky, get out. Trying to survive, trying to stay alive. write it until you guys learn how to write raps i didn't even really know how to write raps but i was down you know but uh yeah i think that was like seventh grade kind of i think the first song that made like a difference to me was my my older cousin let me hurt here runs house from run dmc and that shit blew my mind just the way it starts, like, you know what I mean? Like, we came here, you know, oh, it was, it's crazy. And that, again, made me go, like, oh, I'll, again, I think it was just a, oh, that place exists? Like, I, I didn't know a place, like, existed where someone like him can rap. And there was obviously a lot of people who were into it already. How, how did I not know? And I think that was, like, the first song. 
run runs house for me it was i went from thinking that like being a musician was this superhero thing right it was like unattainable was, people did it mm -hmm. and i consumed it and i had fun music was always fun like the music that i heard whether it be on the radio i was just like when i was a kid I was like, oh that you know the reaction to the music was a fun thing it wasn't hadn't yet gotten to as like a therapy it turned into a therapy thing at that one point but in the beginning even as early as say like early you know r&b or, or you know the stuff in the household with like the gypsy kings or mm -hmm. the beatles and stuff michael jackson was my first like aha as a fan where i was like who what is this who is this what is he saying what is he doing seeing stuff on tv and whatnot it was like dang this is crazy like godlike you know, as a kid, I'm talking sure. eight, nine years old. Yeah. You know? um, and then it wasn't until, and then I got into reggae as a early teens, right? From kids around listening to that. Oh, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have? Right. And then getting to see firsthand, like having musicians closer in my life was the aha moment that turned like, oh, you can do this as a job or you can do this. Yeah. You can just do it, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, was something that, like, I remember... Oh, what age was that? That was probably 12. Yeah. I would say 12, 13. And then 93... I heard 93 to infinity mm -hmm. from Souls of Mischief, and that's when I knew. From a bodyboarding video because I was really into bodyboarding going to the beach a lot with my buddies you know what I mean yeah and we used to watch tapes of dudes ripping it you know and it was dope because there was a variety of music from some uh, AFI to Souls of Mischief to you know, DJ yeah. all over the place and I heard 93 till infinity and that was my like first big I got it I have to you know, and that was the therapy. That was like I felt it. It wasn't fun. It was like it was like a, something clicked in the brain that I didn't feel before. In a right. way, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. And so I, I was like, I have to do that. And then again, seeing uh, friends joining the garage and we were playing music. That combined was like the first early years of the aha. Like, okay, it not only. It, is this like do I want to do this? It's attainable because I have influences right. I went from the TV screen to like living yeah, in the garage. That guy's doing it right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why can't you do yeah, it? Yeah, and really have not looked back since that day. So, Gene, so you're musically inclined, so you, you, you play instruments? Yeah, I haven't. I started with the drums. Mm -hmm. That was my first actual drum or instrument that I was able to own and play in the garage. And with people coming over and having people bless the drum set that were better than me at the time, you know, learning from them, I had gravitated to, like, the keyboard because I kind of was like, okay, like... So, I kind of got booted out of my own drum kit when people would come <laughs> over, you know? Like, oh, no, he's playing the drums. Oh, okay, cool. And then I heard this, the keyboardist at the time, it's just the sounds coming out of the keyboard. I was like, like, I want to know what's going on, right? And then so, yeah, I got keyboard, 
started dabbling into keyboard, and I can play a mean tambourine. There so you got a couple man. right over there. <laughs> tambourine and there's man. other stuff too, like uh, the what is it? The um... oh, the xylophone. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, the xylophone. There you go. A lot of things I can pick up. I'm not professionally trained or classically trained. You know, have experience in that field. I don't want to disrespect and say like, oh, I play these instruments, but you know, give me a guitar, I can kind of hear the. Like, strings and hear things what's going on you know i can tell you what fret what note is on what string you know or bass likewise chords you know? yeah yeah stuff like that but if you give me something i can i can tune into to a melody that now with computer i can go like one note at a time and then create yeah. that way you know there what you I mean? so yeah it's fun and then how about you chris you said that you come from a family of musicians as well do you prior to mm. hip-hop do i you started play off instruments? like instrument wise i started off playing guitar then I just kind of put it down once I found a drum machine. Like once I found a drum machine and then a sampler, like I just kind of dove into that. And then through that, like most people, I think nowadays anyways, um, with the internet, I think you kind of um, pick up like an array of different other skills. If you keep, just keep going. Mm -hmm. Like just to not quit, you have to learn how to, play some chords you got to learn how to lay a bass line especially if no one's making beats for you you got to learn drum patterns all that kind of stuff so i think that's like i'm more for me i think my strong point is arranging i i've always been really good at arranging music i arrange our music and then i think i'm really good at like beat selection i've always been able to pick beats that I feel like compliment what I'm trying to do um, because I've been I've heard that even before I knew that's what I was doing I, I would hear that from other people and it took me a while to go like what do they mean like oh you know how to like you have good beat selection or whatever I didn't even really know what that meant um, but I think that's what I have so musically like I'm able to produce I've produced most of my music most of my life um, until now until like I met Gene like Gene now he takes over the, like the majority of which is awesome. Tell us a little bit about your experience growing up in Barrio Logan. You know, paint a picture growing up in your neighborhood because I think in a lot of ways, you know, our environment, especially when it comes to hip-hop, it not only forms our worldview, but it shapes our music as well. For sure. You know, so in what ways did the community mold and shape your perspective and not to say view the world, but also the sound and the content of your music? Hmm. I, I think it's pretty... Um... One, I think it should just be set off, off rip for people who don't know. Like Barrio Logan is, is a neighborhood that was built on revolution. So like the entire neighborhood was built by people who fought to keep a neighborhood a certain way, a certain aesthetic, a certain feeling, a certain vibe. And in that, in doing that, um, in order to be successful at that, you have to think out of the box a lot. So I think thinking out of the box is a body logan thing in general just kind of in general right looking trying to carve out your own way within this this very because i mean it's a very small small lake you know what i mean and, and in body logan it feels like everybody knows it feels like yeah. um, so i think it did two things for me primarily one it kept me honest because I knew what, like, honesty and art was already. Like, from the jump, there's, I mean, I grew up with murals that meant something to people. 
So like for me, from jump, art had to mean something. Couldn't just do it. Like I didn't have that. It took me a while to develop that. Because you need that part too. Um, but for me, I entered with like, oh, you have to have a purpose. Like if you're gonna have a song, you have to be about something. You weren't just doing art just for the sake of it. There had to be some kind of message or some deeper meaning behind it. Right, which is, which is by by no means am I saying that's the way to do it. It's a way. Because I feel as I've gotten older, I've come to like really appreciate just doing making art. Because I, cause I realized like the bigger purpose. But yeah, at the beginning, it was more, you know, I, I wanted to say something. I was in a neighborhood that was always saying something. And, and then I think also, I think that it was challenging as well because hip hop in American eyes isn't primarily like a Latino or, or in particular a Chicano thing at the time. But the reality of that is that's just a wrong assumption. That's just wrong. Like Chicano people were there at the beginning, like literally at the beginning, Latino people were there at the beginning. It just is that part gets left out and so it was it was challenging to try to a lot a lot of people around me didn't know why I was in it like, you know, I have friends that were in you know lowriders already or like you know just shit to do on the block whatever was going on the block and that wasn't necessarily good you know there was a lot of oldies and stuff like that so I think it was challenging in that way so that definitely molded me and it made me because of growing up in, in Barrio Logan, it, it, I have pride in in the challenge. Because it's from a revolutionary, like, what would you expect? Like, you're going to challenge what I, I'm doing. I'm probably going to do what the neighborhood would do. And that's revolt. And so I felt like I, I did that for most of my life. In Barrio Logan, I was constantly trying to, like, insert. Hey, there's a, there's, people are growing up other ways in this neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of different other ways in this neighborhood. It's not one way. And it doesn't look one thing. Obviously, or the neighborhood wouldn't be as rich as it is. You know what I mean? Like, it's rich in culture. But that's because there's so much being brought to it. I think you just described Chicanismo, like, right there. You know, you ask 10 yeah. Chicanos what that means, you're going to get 10 different answers. Right, you know? absolutely. <laughs> it's not a monolith, yeah. Right, and, that, and I think that's a thing that, even subconsciously, I didn't know, but that's what was being programmed into my head. And, and, it, and now, as an adult, when I look at my heart, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, it makes it makes kind of sense. Like, we are the way we are. Like, you know, we make what we make. Yeah, absolutely. This kind of just keeps on with the trend of talking about some of these like formative processes and, and and where we all come from and stuff is, you know, families obviously are a big part of like that community fabric where we kind of learn a lot of our values and a lot of like uh, different kinds of things and whatnot. But like, you know, obviously there's a lot of stuff when you're doing cultural work, producing music, art, you know, and there's a lot of pressure, especially coming from like, um, you know, communities where, you know, there's migration where, where you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, so I just want to, I'm just curious, you know, Chris, you know, especially, but everybody too, um, I know that, you know, as Chicanos, you know, our community sometimes tends to view, you know, sometimes creative and artistic work, not as like, you know, something to be encouraged. Sometimes there's a lot of uh, pressure to kind of work these uh, more safe or get a good career kind of jobs, you know, or, you know, the cultural work, you know, seem kind of like a hobby instead of like a career. Yeah. So, I mean, 
what was your family's reaction when you decided to pursue music as a career? You know, Flo and, and Chris, like, what do you, what, I mean, are they supportive? I mean, for, and I think it should be noted just for context, his dad's Chilean. So, like, a lot of these same, <laughs> like, we have a lot of these conversations of crossover struggles because of, you know, like, I mean, yeah, as you guys know, you know, there's that, that early stigma of what you're supposed to be. Right, we've talked about that a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you, what do you like your your parents' wise? Did they love it? Oh no, not really. There was a, you know, after high school, I did the junior college for mm -hmm. a little bit, but even at that time, I was in the beat. I was making beats. I had already in, made a decision, like half half-assed kind of thing. You know what I mean? Where I was like, oh god, I'm gonna go to the college name. Didn't want to do it was in, fresh in making, you know, I probably started making beats really like senior year of high school. So the first year out of high school was like, I'm in, I'm trying to do this. Um, when it became a decision that that's what I, the life that I wanted to go to, I would say my mom was always like, I would say she would, there was like the f one little bit of, are you sure? But after that was sure, sureness. Uh, she was, she's, and today has been just all, uh, has supported. My dad supports it in an interesting, distant way where his, his thing is all about like, he thinks that, and we've had conversations where people think that, oh, when you're an artist, you're automatically going to be Drake status, right? Mm -hmm. You're on tour. <laughs> you should be. Yeah. You're on <laughs> tour. You're making millions, you know, making all this money. Uh, you know, my dad will call me full transparency. He'll call me even to this day and say, well, not, I've, I've mitigated the conversation in any way, controlled it. But he'll say, hey, how's it going? Still doing the music? Making any money? Bam, just like that. So yeah. I guess there you go. That's like the short yeah. answer, to, direct answer to the, to the question. Yeah, I think, <laughs> uh, like, I was raised by my mom, so I'm sure primarily she didn't want me to be an artist or musician just on some like safety shit just sure. on, like yeah. you know that's like, true we can't yeah. take a we can't we can't really gamble like like that's a gamble that was seen as a gamble you're not gonna make any money as an artist right right, right. which is it, and i i think I, I, there was probably a time when i would have maybe resented that and now i definitely see that she just kind of had the tools that she had you know she had like the like I, I told I was literally having lunch it's funny that you guys asked this question because I was literally talking about this with somebody at lunch today mm -hmm. and I, I said I I look at it now especially when it comes to like parents and like how they see us as artists if you're an artist and you I mean you're a real artist you you've dove in you've accepted that that's what you are it's in you then you're a lot, man. Like, you're a lot. Like, don't think you're not a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're a lot. You're probably challenging a lot. Your job is to kind of question reality all the time in the way that you do that. The people around you that love you, that's tough on them. It oh, is yeah. tough on them. And so I've been trying to at least get better at that as an artist to just go, like, I, I get it. I get it. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't wish, like, the artist lifestyle on just anybody. Because it's definitely not. It's definitely not. That's definitely something I've been able to see. So did they like it? Nah. But they were probably right to not like it, I guess, you know? But, uh, I mean, 
You should have bet more money on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Sometimes you can you win some, you lose some. Right. Well, yeah. That speaks to conditions, right? Yeah. A lot of people, like you pointed out, it's a matter of survival in a lot yeah. of situations. And, you know, that you know speaks to, I think, a lot of the the kind of just structural stuff we have to live through here. Like, sometimes Absolutely. it's like, yeah, culture is reserved for those who can afford it in a lot of ways. Yes. And for a lot of our communities, that's seen as like a like a, a luxury. But and why I should t- it be? Yeah. I take it even a step farther. It's not even just culture, right? Even just mental health. Right. Right? Like that alone. Just questioning. My, my mom never thought about how she felt. Right. Like that wasn't like a something you contemplate. Well, you weren't allowed to talk taboo about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Right. right. Yeah. So you weren't because you couldn't talk about it you can't sharpen that skill so you're not going to get good at it so it is probably just a mess and you're kind of tumbling through life there's emotions all this stuff whereas you know i i'm the the internet was here like the internet's here like so oh yeah i had access very at least at in the pivotal times of my life i i had access to all the information of the world so it's not even fair you know it's it's not fair and who brought up my mom are people who were literally just about safety. Like, like they, it was hard for them to get here. Right. Like they, it took time for them to get here. So they were on some, like, don't fuck this up. Right. So don't, don't be trying to fuck this up with your dreams and shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, no. You're feeling. That's real though. Yeah. It's real. That's real. Yeah. There's very much, I see like a pressure, especially in our community mm-hmm. because you know, we have our parents that often work, you know, these manual, very difficult nine to fives you know yeah. if they're hard on your body you know like my dad would be all the time well, i busted my ass so you kids could go to college right. and you could get a good career so like right. you said there's like this pressure like don't fuck it up because yes. like what your parents have done which you, you know, which you can understand from their perspective of course but the reality but i think as adults what ends up happening is is at some point you become peers and you realize Oh, you guys were just trying to figure it out too. Like it wasn't like you had it down or you, this was the right answer. It was what you could come up with. Yeah. And so for that, I forgive you. You know what I mean? What the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? Like that's what you had, but you probably don't have a say on what, what's next. Like you have no say on that. Cause you're not like, that's like, I've had that conversation with my mom. Like I, I love you. I respect everything you have to say, but she just, like, uh, I think it was Slug. Slug said it in a song, like, uh, I respect your opinion, but this dream's mine. Sure. Right? There you and go. that's 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 real. Like, I think that's, every artist has to come to that point where nobody's opinion has anything to do with what you're, what you're ultimately creating, you know? And yeah. parents fall into that same category, you know? There's the old saying, right, that, like, change is very rarely made by well-behaved people. Right. <laughs> right. right. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Gene. You've produced for a variety of artists such as Noah James, Tumex, uh, 60 yeah, East, yeah. as well as others. You've also scored music for uh, the Parker Edison Project. Yes, Shout sir. out to Parker Edison. Shout out to Parker Edison. <laughs> um, and you also host your own all-producer online radio show, The Beat Block. Yes, sir. I wanted to ask you, a lot of times people make a distinction there's being a beat maker and there's being a mm-hmm. producer, which is like an all-around person, which is something you definitely do because just by the catalog of work you do, for you... How did you branch out from just simply making beats to being a producer? You're not just making beats for artists. You're also scoring things for podcasts. And you're also doing, having your own platform to showcase other um, producers' work as well. I think it comes down to always wanting to have my hands on, say, the final product. Or if I, 
you know, I started obviously through the email or my uh, MySpace really. Man, when I would make beats, I would post them to MySpace, and people were like, oh, "I like that beat," and I'm like, "Cool, what's your email?" Boom, I wouldn't even talk money or anything. It was just literally just, "Cool, here you go." I didn't even know the business like that. Like, oh, you can make, I can sell these things, <laughs> right? Um, but I think to label say producer and beat maker. A producer is a beat maker who also engineers, who also mixes, um, and is able to take the skeleton, the voice, make it something, a final form product, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think where, you know, what took me from beat maker to producer to now, you know, host was just all the experiences that I had in between. You know, I went to school for audio engineering. I wanted to be a full-time engineer at one point. Then when I was doing that, I realized I missed creating the music, right? So I kind of did this like reverse engineering thing where I took, again, the experiences that I had. Or I, I yes, I had the experiences that I gained and I found a way to kind of merge them together where now I can create music uh, cohesively with my partner Kill C right here, host a podcast to share the music of the community as well, in a way because a lot of the artists that we have on the beat block, I you can throw them in the box if you want to, to as beat makers, but I also look at them as a lot of them are in places that I have been, and some of them are in places where I want to be. So I just want to create a community where we can kind of all share that, start a network, start a community, and build off of that. Producers don't always get that platform to show off their work the same way the MCs necessarily do because right. it feels like people, like, they either make beat tapes or, like, you said, or they, you said they send things out through the Internet and it just mm -hmm. goes out into the world and you don't have any control over where it goes when you give it to somebody else, you know? Right, and you hear that a lot in, in the community where people will you know, either sell a beat or give a beat. And like you said, they don't hear from the artist. They want to kind of reap the 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 benefits of their, their music, you know, reap what they sowed. But also they may not have the tools to realize that you can have to, you can create the communication between A and B, right? To see what's going on moving forward. Um, and I think some of that might get lost because they think it's not face to face, it's over the internet. It's just a product like a t-shirt or like a bottle, like a can of Coke, mm -hmm. right? Um, but taking it to the next step is getting beyond the music and getting in touch with the person. Right. right. Um, yeah, because your community's trippy. Like they, you can see it's it's trippy to watch like the community, I'll, I'll jump in the chat room from time to time and then see those same names like talking on Instagram like about the show or like, oh, I'll see you on Beat Block or like, that's, I think that's really dope. And, and I agree too, because I don't feel like the producer community, especially at the beginning, because that's the other thing is he plays, you could just send it in and he's going to play it. Like there's literally no, like you send it, he plays there's it. There's no criteria. Yeah, there's no there's nothing. So yeah. sometimes he's played people who've literally never played their music for anybody. And they're playing for the first time. Mm. That just, that's so dope to me. Like yeah. that's so dope to me. And those people become like kind of lifelong followers and supporters, you know, because that's kind of like where they were born. Right. Know? It's dope. So Chris, 
for you, Omar. Tell us a little bit about the Platform Collection. Um, Platform Collection was born out of... I have to, like, first note that I started... When I started, like, really getting into trying to figure out, like, what the music business part of this was. Like, can you actually make this into a living? It, like, what are the... I just started to ask that question more. Like, the first early advice I got was to leave the city. Like, that was the first earliest advice was, like, get out of the city. Go find out how good you really are. Maybe you're just performing in front of your friends. And that shit just stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Like, and and... And I, like, I think back on that and, like, I kind of owe everything to that thought because that sent us, me and Eddie's here, my, my manager and, and business partner, and um, him and I, and at the time, one of our friends who we still work with, uh, Mr. Arash, we were going up to, we had decided to start a podcast. We decided, to, it was called Crappy Awesome, um, and... We were at the time we were doing like a pretty successful online radio show that was live. I don't know if you guys remember there was a program called Stick Cam, and it was so dope, dude. It was basically like you'd be on the screen, right? But it would give five other cameras to other people, so like the chat room could cycle through and you'd see them, and like mm-hmm. you could give them like a voice, and they could. It was so interactive. And I saw that people were using it for like meetings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was always kind of a tech nerd. I was always like at least into that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, we can make a radio show. Let's make a radio show on this. Because it had an a unlimited chat room. That was the thing. Mm-hmm. So we'd get, you know, a few hundred people, right? Like in the chat room, like every week. Um, and it was it was literally just being in the right place at the right time on some... I don't think, in fact, I know at that time, nobody was doing like, because it was technically just a video podcast where we played music because we would end up just talking and people would laugh and we talked to people in the chat room, but we'd be breaking like local music and because the ultimate plan at the beginning was, yo, let's just play a bunch of famous people's music and play ours right next to it. And then, Hey, we'll get on. We didn't know any better. Right. Sure. And then at one point I I just got the idea. I told Eddie, I was like, do you think we could interview somebody? Like, we should interview somebody. Because there was a little call-in thing. It was so dope. I don't even know why. You know what? Well, ends up, Be Real ended up buying this company, I think. Um, but uh, people would call in, and it was going great. And I heard a podcast called The Nerdist. It was It's by this guy named Chris Hardwick. Um, he was just a comedian. I really wasn't familiar with podcasts. I had heard like Rogan's thing, but even, I don't know if you guys remember early Rogan, it wasn't like a podcast. He would just kind of stream and just talk and like, so it wasn't structured. This thing was like structured. It had like an opening and everything. And I was like, oh, this is dope. And you can listen to it anytime or, so I just went crazy into that world. Um, and I was like, I want to do that. And we decided to start a podcast called Crappy Awesome. Um, at that time, by the time we decided to, to pull the plug on the radio show, I leave this out, but it wasn't, it was a really big deal for us at the time. We, by the time we were done with the radio show, we had interviewed over 200 artists and the names we had, bro, like it was just stupid. Like it was stupid. Like Gangstar, uh, MC Life, most of NWA, 
Uh, like, I mean, we we, yeah, we just started to go down the... Because, look, at this is the thing that was happening. It was no credit to us. They just didn't know what it was. They were just like, oh, it seems like a radio... Like, they go... We had a cool website, mm-hmm. but that was basically it. And then we would... The smartest thing we did is everyone we booked, we put a, their picture... And so by the time it was done, it was this long list. So everybody who was like really fire in the mid 2000s around that time and, and then like old school artists were on there. I mean, like people like Mims, like just crazy. Like, dude, we, you know, who's first, we had the first interview ever on the West Coast with Mike Posner. Do you know who Mike Posner is? Mm-hmm. He ended up becoming a huge... He had that song, I took a pill in Ibiza. It blew up. Mm-hmm. It was like a huge song. And uh, I just saw him... I had seen he put a YouTube like video up and he was making music. And he was one of the first guys who made like beats on YouTube. And so we just got him on. And then that just led to one after another after another. And I think that gave me the confidence... Because I was like, oh, we'll just do it again in podcasting. Right. Which was a whole different story because <laughs> as soon as we told people we want to talk to you for an hour, at that time, that was just like, what? Like, people wanted to come on and be like, yo, here's my single. This is this, 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 and I'm out. Right. Like, I, we were asking, like, these kind of things, right? And um, at that time, we were the only ones really doing that where we were doing it, which was primarily, like, Southern California hip-hop scene underground hip-hop scene which encompassed you know everything from the ie even up to like ventura all of la even out to arizona texas so all that artist circuit i think what we were doing inadvertently is linking a lot of it because people would all stop by through our show at some point we started getting like our very first interview uh it was episode zero zero all of this is still on spotify by the way it was zero zero and it was with an artist named crazy race out of la um, who's just an OG hip hop artist, and that that one first interview got us introduced to like the LA underground, and then it just run- and at that same time a thing called the Cipher Effect. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. The Cipher Effect was starting at that time, right? And they had I, I don't know if you guys remember this. There was a viral video. It, it went viral at that time before people really knew what viral was, but it had Gavlin, Reverie, Blimes. Um, who else? Do you, do you remember Vel the Wonder? Um, it's an all female. Yeah, it was an all female cipher. And so I saw that, and it blew my mind. Because one, being from San Diego, what San Diego didn't have at that time was videos. None mm. of the artists here really had like quality videos. And when I saw when I dipped into the cipher effect and then I went down the rabbit hole of the artists that were on the cipher effects, they all had dope like videos already. And at the time I didn't know, but you know, like in LA, obviously, that their backyard, like their local artists are Snoop Dogg. Like mm-hmm. that's a local artist to them. So the game was higher. It seemed like the artist in LA had a better understanding of how to like turn this into a bigger picture, how to like talk to more people get in front of people and so we hit up the cypher effect had them on the show hit it off with the the dude who ran it jds um and kind of pitched him an idea on on changing the shooting style at the time it was being shot like the bet cypher do you remember that Mm -hmm. like just one take black and white um and we were like as long as bet cypher exists it's always going to overshadow this because it looks just like it so we're like let's change it to multi-camera 
I was already starting to work with cameras. I was, you know, low key starting to do photography. Um, I was directing my own videos already. And, uh, or Rosh is a professional photographer. So for a while we kind of took over their shooting. And then that just got us into that whole world, right? I met Noah James through that, Curtis King. I met everybody from the LA Underground. Ended up Reverie. We, we have a really great relationship with Reverie. We've we've kind of documented her career. We, we were her first podcast ever. Gavlin's first podcast. Blind's first podcast. Tumex is first. Like, it was just crazy. But we weren't aware of any of these things at that time. I'm aware of it now. Mm-hmm. Sure. At that time, we were just trying to survive. Like we were yeah, like, you're just doing it. Yeah, yeah. And then not even being from there, um, that was a big deal for us. In that, anytime we came back to the city, we always came back with something to offer. Like we brought the Cypress effect to San Diego mm-hmm. and shot. Like we shot. That's Rick Scales. Like that was. Um, I mean, Rick Scales. That was his first like real big thing that put him kind of on a national level. Um, Odessa is in a classic one. Yeah. Uh, almost everybody that has a- is actively working in San Diego now went through that circuit somehow um, or is birthed from people who went through that circuit. And uh, Ralph, when he was rapping. Yeah, 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 yeah. Time. I mean, it, it was it was crazy. So that w- we were working with Cypher Effect and our next thing was um, we felt like we should establish more of a presence in these smaller cities because we saw what it did for us. Like it would change the city. Mm-hmm. You know, it still it's it still resonates. People might not know where it comes from, but that's where it came from. Like the 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 current evolution we're seeing in our city right now is from that that era that sprung. You know, Kali came out. You know what I mean? From that that circuit, Kali sprung hip hop wins. Hip hop wins sprung the current state that San Diego hip hop's in right hip-hop now. Wins sprung me. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Invisible Ponchos is comes directly out of hip hop wins. Eighteen Scales, Nami, all these different artists, and we were what platform collection birthed out of the Cipher Effect because we wanted to branch out, and they kind of more had an idea. I think they at that time they were going to go to Latin America. Which was a, a, still an amazing idea, and they're, they're, they still do great. Um, but that just wasn't for us. I was just like, damn, but my city's starving. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we're starving over here. Like, we need sure. something. So I liked the idea that we had already started making relationships in these other scenes. We had already we, – we suggested Noah James and Curtis King because we saw them online. Actually, I saw Fame Kills first, who is a Mexican artist, Mexican-American artist from the IE. Um, I saw him first and that led me to Noah James to Curtis King. We got them on the cypher effect and that relationship kind of sparked us staying in those cities and working more. We'd go out there and start interviewing people for our own podcast, for our own shows. And then platform collection like slowly started to become what it is now. It's more of, um, it's a, it's an incubator if it's anything. It's a place where artists can kind of grow and we use all everything that Eddie and I have worked for is at the um, disposal of the artists that we work with. So we try to make it easier for artists to not have to go through all the roadblocks we went through by just simply ensuring that they're dealing with like good people. Like that's our policy. We've never bent on that. I think it's why 
um, we've been around for as long as we have is because we've just never bent on that. Like, we don't have like beefs with people. We don't have any of those kind of things because you just don't have anything on us like that. Like, we're not. It means something more to us, and sure. we don't work with anybody that doesn't feel the same. And that's just kind of paid off. It, it that relationship got us into the relationship with Sixty East. He used to be on Platform Collection with a podcast. When he started Thought Fest, he needed people to run the main part of it. And we were the people that he reached out. Eddie runs the main stage at Thought Fest now. So it's crazy that he it started from his garage on some little radio show. Mm-hmm. And then just through that journey, Platform Collection kind of um, showed us like the direction to go. And it, and it was about, for us, overall, it became like connecting people. You know, and it still does that. That's kind of still what it does. Because if you platform collection is not like a website, it's not a blog. Like, what is it? it? People like I don't know if people really even can ever define it. But it's at Thoughtfest. It's at the shows. It's it's putting people's art out there. It's connecting mm-hmm. things. So I I stopped trying to define it because I think defining it directly would be just not different. It's an existence. Yeah, and we're different. So sure. Yeah, you're yeah. talking about communities. I mean, you're, this is, these are sometimes things uh, that you know it's hard to put a like a firm label on, For right? Sure. And I mean, you were talking about like how some of that you know has currently led you to where you are now, right? And we're going to talk about you know your project, the Invisible Ponchos, and really, you know, obviously it's composed of both of you. Um, and really, just like wanted to just ask you about the significance of the name because you hear the name Invisible Ponchos. That's definitely something that stands out. Um, and just really, you know, after being longtime collaborators, what was the inspiration for the two of you to join forces and start a group together? You know, like after knowing each other, what was the the motivation? You always answer that one good. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'll take the uh, how we 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 started working because Ponchos came after. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So we we started working together because Gene would show up to hip hop wins. Um, he long and short of it was a lot of people showed up to hip hop wins and a lot of people wanted to people go went to hip hop wins. And what that was, by the way, was a Wednesday once a week. Right. On Wednesdays, they they at um, rappers and producers at AC Lounge at AC Lounge in San Diego. Uh, Kali he founded this event that became kind of for lack of better description it was our good life it was our you know Lamert. yeah our, our Lamert park it was it was a lot of things happened there that influenced san diego hip-hop it was training camp it was training camp for real for real um we saw a lot of people's i had the honor of seeing a lot of i seen my man's like first their first performances in front of the community um and I would just see him show up and he was always ready. Like, and what I mean by that is uh, I was helping run the event. Um, I, we had a night platform collection specifically had a night called elbow room. Um, and during the night, sometimes, I mean, it's hip hop, man. So sometimes we'd have the DJ would be late or something, something would happen or, or a table would go out. Uh, one of the 1200s would go out and we just needed a beep someone to play beats and he was always there he was always there and then one time we had like a brief conversation i don't know if you remember this necessarily but we had a brief conversation one time you came up and you were just like yo i just want to let you know if you ever need any help on like because i was i was doing the sound i was djing 
hosting, like I was running all around. Um, and he's like, if you ever need help, just let me, you know, let me know. And I was just like, he, no one had done that, believe it or not. Right. In, in like a community of people where we're, it feels like most of us seem to be like wanting to do this for a living. It's, you'd be surprised on how little that kind of thing happens where people go like, Hey, can I help? Mm-hmm. Or is there a place for me? Is there something I can do? And he just did. And so that always kept in mind. Uh, I kind of dove into his music. I saw that he was already making music. Um, and I think literally the first beat he sent me, I was on tour with Noah James at the time uh, as a solo artist. I was, it was me, Noah, and you know who else was on that? On that tour, Eddie? When we were up in, when we went up north? Arm the Poet? Ar- yeah, we took Arm the Poet on his first, that was his first tour. Um, but anyways, there was a night where uh, I had a little longer set and I was going through my email and he had sent me a beat which ended up becoming this song called This Time. Um, but I had those verses ready, and I was like, yo. I, I remember literally texting him from behind the DJ. Hey, dude, I'm going to use your beat tonight. Is it cool? Because I, I really didn't want to do it if he didn't want me to use it. You know, sure. I didn't know if he was just like, I didn't know if he's just like, nah, don't play it. Or And he was like, yeah, go for it. I was like, sick. And it went over great, and I was just like, oh, I'm going to make this into a song. That was the first one? That was Tell the very first. Fr- that- no, that was the that very was before Tell Me Nothing. Yeah, it was t- before that, yeah. And I was like, uh, at that point, it was just kind of real easy to work with him. I come to find out later in other conversations we've had that um, like one of the issues I, I we had early on is like, this is what I always do. When I get beats, like I tear them apart. Like I'll tear pieces apart and like, and because I'll hear like his concept and then I'll realize like, oh, I have to rap over this. So I have to figure out, I have to carve the way to rap into it. I don't ever like anybody really doing that for me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because I feel like I miss, it's not me, it's not my energy. And w- through working with him, we ended up eventually coming to like the way we work together now. Like we, we create organically. It's like, oh, he'll have a piece and then I'll have this piece. And that's the way I create the best. And he's the only producer I've ever worked with to do that. He's the only one ever to do that. And so I'm not a dumb man. He makes dope beats <laughs> and he, we work really great together. Um, and so I just kept going back to that. And one time we got invited to do um, this. Parker Edison asked us to open for his band, The Elephants in the Room. It was going to be a, a live streaming event. Um, and we decided to come up with kind of like a like a skit. I've always wanted to do that. I wanted to like do a show where it's more than just like someone rapping. Like I wanted it to be like a show, you know? Um, and he was with it. And like we de- decorated the stage. We made it like a living room. We had this whole skit. And right before I went on, I told the host, I was like, you know what? Don't say Kill C. Ray. I was like, I've always, when I was a little kid, I always said if I had a band, it would be called the Invisible Ponchos. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, can you just say that? And he was just like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, yeah, just say that. And he's like, don't say your name. I was like, don't say my name. Just say the, the Invisible Poncho. And I thought that was so fresh. I was always wanted that. I grew, like, I remember, like, my cousins listening to punk bands. And, like, it felt punk to me. Um, and just so to clarify, like, when we say it, what we mean 
is the poncho of like rain, but we spell it with the A as a significance of people thinking less of people of of a name like that. You know what I mean? So that's why the A is in there. They think they think it is something that it's not. But that's why when like one of the phrases we always say is ponchos block the rain. But we mean rain R E I. Like like rain like a R E, not R A. Mm-hmm. Um because like we we at least for us like one of the things that we're constantly building on is like freedom like freedom from ourselves freedom from like everything like just breaking free um and you can't have that with a king you know what i mean like there can't be you can't be free as if there's a king and so fuck the king (laughs) so and i think that's kind of like how invisible ponchos came out and and now we are currently in the midst of completing the stories yeah we're creating it right now creating the story yeah most definitely man yo tell us about the track introduction and the story behind that music mm-hmm. video because there's an interesting story behind <laughs> the scenes of how that all came out oh shit <laughs> focus on the highest state of my man we are not the same this is not my plane of existence nah none of my team needs assistance we burn through pistons, they whistling my hot shit, my thought shit, my engines, they listening. I'ma wet your mind, call it christening, yeah. What side of the fence you put your fist in, bro? It's really gon' matter in the end, you define every move, are you bland fam? Talking all that flam flam, homie, center up, cause you offset, yeah. I am circled up like a mosh pit, man. I am my 10 in a cockpit, keys like a locksmith, always write my plots thick. Poncho, watch the clock tick. Never feed the rumors, all the hate, all the toxic. And I'm always on some block shit. Please don't even mention my name. I am not crazy. Well, introduction is, simply put, our introduction as the Invisible Ponchos. Because yeah. um, we were already performing as the Ponchos before that, right? Before we even put it out. Yeah, we that was had, our, we, our official introduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a, a few... We were performing the songs we produced. Yeah, as the poncho. Yeah. yeah. And the music video. We always say we had uh, an experience that led us to, you know, embrace the fact that, as he mentioned, we always talk about mental health oh, and yeah, self-help. Yeah. And, you know, someone mentioned that, that, you know, we're a self help cult as like that's an insult right <laughs> so we kind of just like that's what we're doing now kind of chuckling at it and the invisible ponchos became a cult like we yeah. are we embrace that like, we're a cult yeah. we're a cult if that's what a cult is to you then we're a cult yeah and right. so we want to be better right. so the video was like yo let's have like a cult meeting right. <laughs> let's have a, a cult meeting a la an AA meeting yeah. you know yeah. and you saw the video. Oh you know, yeah, yeah. The and then Parker Edison, I think, really tied it. That that actually video gave us the because now when we perform, Parker performs with us. People who haven't seen our show, Parker narrates our show. So like we just did a performance in, in Body Logan for um, an organization called Soloka. Shout out to Sol- yeah, shout out to Soloka. Shout out to Claudia. Yep, um, <laughs> and it was amazing, man. It was it like what we're doing it's it's a it's a big goal for us to not just do traditional rap show 
not that that we don't appreciate some of my favorite i say it all the time i say that probably too much actually but it's true some of my favorite rappers are rappers who literally just bar the fuck out i love that shit but for me i'm life is short man like and i'm getting older i'm not that concerned with you thinking i'm dope like i'm concerned more with if you're listening to what i'm saying and and parker's been able to like really help tie that together at shows for us it's amazing what he and he comes up with it in his head like he'll come up with an entire story and then just tie our songs through it so each time you see it it's a different story and so far it has been we've kept to that we've told a different story every single time um and i think that that like especially like parker like people what do we call him like he's the, the he's the actual punch. yeah he's the actual punch, right invisible he's the punch. visible punch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he really ties he does a good job with like the narrating if you listen to the beginning of the introduction mm -hmm. he's, right he's the intro you know yep. and, and that sparked it from there mm -hmm. that song I didn't, I, I didn't even think about that till you asked that right now like that song really started everything we we felt what it did in, in the song and then the video and we were like we have to we have to bring it to the show yeah yeah because we said we weren't going to just be two rappers on stage rapping stand you know I mean? yeah. we have a set yeah because he was already producing and finding success and i was already rapping and finding success like we were like we're not trying to just make another duo like like any anybody could do that like that it's not even that exciting we were already kind of doing that we were already performing together but for it to be official like we both kind of had to agree and we always have something like I said. We again to stem from this, our very first show that we brought up uh, when we were first introduced as Invisible Ponchos. It was me, him, and we had a DJ. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Jamal. Shout out to Jamal. And every show after that, we've either had you know, well, we always have Parker. We've had the homegirl, no shenanigans. Yeah. As who our, now plays drums for plays us. drums. Yeah, so it's a cycle of characters. Yeah, it's a cast of characters. It really yeah. is. That's good. You kind of like touched on this a little bit, mm -hmm. but I mean, maybe we can expand. I don't know if there's anything more you wanted to add on to this about what makes the Invisible Ponchos different from other dudes and groups. Is there anything else you wanted to add on that and about the underground scene specifically right now? What sets you all apart? Of, if you wanted to add anything else on that uh, as we cat like a capstone. I think we don't think about that very much. That's I, fair, yeah. I think that's, I think that's the most honest I can be about that. And I think that that's... And that's conscious. Like, we we are consciously not trying to think about, like, what anybody else is doing. Like, it one, it helps us to, like, stay fans of people, you know, because I'm not comparing them to us. Um, but also, we're trying to find something that hasn't been done, so you can't do that by looking at anybody else. You know? we, talk, we talked a lot about, in these past questions, about the San Diego hip-hop scene. And San Diego has a relatively small but dedicated scene compared to other regions of california like the yeah. like la or like the yeah. bay area and i want this to ask you know like why do you think that is and how has that impacted your experience here in san diego in regards to the scene because i don't think that there's a specific sound here because you could look at a lot of artists from here that are nationally known well what's that san diego part is it little rob well that's not the sound right. or is it jo felony right not that is a rob stone there's is an aztec tribe there's a whole bunch of different yeah artists you could look and like none of them really capture the entire region as a whole yeah i uh i'll say this i heard um primo dirty 
Primo Dirty said, um, there's a guy, uh, an artist in the city named Primo Dirty, and he said in a post that it's taken him a while or something like that to find out that San Diego sound is like, nah, there isn't one. Like, it's a, it's like a culmination of all these different things. I think that's a good way to describe it. But I also feel like one of the things that San Diego is prone to is like a little brother syndrome. Mm. Like I've seen that from the very beginning, just because LA is so so here, and we don't actually have. That's, I think it's not always fair to like um, compare at all San Diego with LA because we don't actually have an infrastructure. There's no, there's no music business here. There's people participating in the music business, but the actual infrastructure is somewhere else. It's not in our city, so our city doesn't care necessarily if there's a music business here or not because it doesn't it doesn't get anything from it or more know? so like yeah. you've mentioned a lot like they don't have the tools they're, right the tools aren't here yeah. they're not taught they're not yeah there's again there's no example ultimately there's no jobs in that area you know what i mean like you have to go to hollywood for that right. that's infrastructure yeah yeah and so i think that that's why it is because if you really want to get on and you're finding success in San Diego, you really want to get on. Like, you the, really have to be, like, dedicated. I think one of the biggest infrastructures, if any, in the music business that we have here in San Diego is, like, being a stagehand. Yeah, yeah, they have tons music of that. venues. Yeah, yeah. And you can be a stagehand, you can do yeah, sound. Yeah. Like, and, you know. But that's kind of where it teeters off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe DJs, mm -hmm. but even that's limited. Yeah, that's yeah. limited. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, other than that, yeah, because it As doesn't necessarily, like, like say, an Invisible Poncho show. That's not necessarily something that would cater to tourists coming to San Diego to see something. You're going to have to want to come and see some. You might cry at our show, so you're not just there to, like, you know. So, yeah, I can see why. It, I, my big wish for the city, and I'm seeing, I am seeing them do this. I'm see, definitely seeing them do it. But I, my big wish for the city is that they go out and tell the rest of the nation what San Diego is. And they can't do that from here. They have to go to the places. Because I think showing that we can professionally maneuver as artists is a big part of, of gaining the respect we need in San Diego. And that's been a big thing that San Diego has yet to, as a whole, there's been a few people here and there, but as a whole, our artists don't tour. Our artists tour the city. Any, any of the you know. bigger artists that have come out of the city all blew up because they left the yeah, city. Because they left. Mm -hmm. and it, you know, the people you knew, the little all Robs, back, like POD. The Rob Stones, yeah. the Mitchie mm -hmm. Slicks. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, um, yeah. Ross, even more recently, the Rossi Rocks. You Orco. Know I mean? Like Orco, all those, yeah. All these, um, all these different people. Lil Nicky is, yeah. is, you know. But because I think there is something that to be said about showing whether or not showing the rest of the industry like for instance venues that you're a viable investment that you take it serious mm -hmm. and to be able to tour to be able to go to other cities to be able to like have functional relationships with people in other cities where you can get on a bill that takes work and you're not going to tour a pay to play tour. right right yeah 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 exactly <laughs> yeah yeah you'll go broke mm -hmm. yeah it's, it, it doesn't work like that and so i think that's it's that's crazy you brought that up because that is also something that has plagued our city is like the pay to play scale that happens in our city and it's a normal thing i i made a video on this it's a normal thing that's not a bad thing pay to play is a way 
it is not a way that you should be doing if you seriously are trying to build your own audience. It's not a necessary thing. Because in, in theory, what you're doing is paying to be in front of somebody else's audience who have already decided they are there to see somebody else. That's not how you build a real audience. You build it one by one. There is no... I, I, I heard a comedian talk about it. I've always seen the parallel between what we do and stand-up comedians do, especially like independent artists. We have to tour ourselves. We have to come up with the material. We have to repeat the material every night. We try to constantly get up to get it worked on. We have peers that are all doing the same things that have different voices. It's very parallel. You're your own merch table. Right. We're all, we, yeah, we have to come up with the merch. Right. Like, right. But I heard this comedian talk about it. it I actually, it was Gary Shanley. And Gary Shanley said he was asked after a show you know, by, by a, a young comedian who had just started. And he was like, come on, man. He's like, we've had a cool conversation. Just, just tell me the truth, man. Like, I know there's an easier way. Like, there's a cheat, right? Like, there's a cheat. And like he said it, like Gary Chadlin said it with almost tears in his eyes. And he's like, dude, there is no cheat. There is no cheat to this. Trust me, dude, I've been doing this for a long time. I would have found it. And we're doing okay. And so there is not, you have to put in every bit of work. You have to work on yourself mostly. Uh, I'll say this to any artist that's really trying to take it serious. There's a thing that me and Eddie have always called the, the tour bus test. If you're not the type of person that can sit amongst other people and not fuck up the energy in a very tight tour bus, you're probably not going to get very far in this career. doesn't matter how dope you are. Sure. I've seen the yeah. dopest, dopest MCs just have no people skills and they're not successful right now. Sure. While there's other people who kind of like had to develop their skills, but because they hit it from a professional angle right from the jump, they're way ahead. And that's just the reality of it. That's, I am sympathetic to artists who are frustrated about that. I, I get it. That's sure. frustrating. But that's not the business. Yeah. You can make art at home by yourself. Mm -hmm. If that's what you want to do, the moment you decide, I want someone else to see this, you're in it. You have to accept what comes with that. Right. And that means you're going to have to tend to that. It's going to have to be professional. You're going to have to build relationships. You're going to have to look at yourself in some way as a business. And for me, I like to stack on top of that. I also don't want to lose my soul to this. So that takes that I have to be paying attention constantly. It's yeah. always a job. So when I see someone like just phoning it in or, or just doing the same things, it's not, I don't, I don't look at that anymore and go like, oh man, they shouldn't be doing that. I just know that they're not doing what I'm doing. We're not in the same thing. It's not the same thing. Just cause you know, what are they like, just cause you dress like a cop <laughs> and you put on a bed, don't mean that you an actual cop. You know what I mean? Like it could just be a costume. That's just the truth of it. You know? Kind of going on those same lines you said, like striking a balance with stuff. Artists, particularly artists that fall in the underground hip hop category, seem to constantly be caught locking this tightrope of both maintaining their tradition mm. and avoiding stagnation. Mm. And as artists, how do you balance out and ensure that you're constantly putting out real authentic hip hop, but also not being stuck in one particular sound or era? Because I feel like that's a that? that's a box that a lot of artists, even dope artists, find themselves you never in. Make the same shit. How do you not? make the same shit i honestly don't i approach every session as a new session and i'm not comparing what you know 
anyone really is doing what's current. Even though you know, I've I've submitted and I've had music be reviewed uh, recently, and I've had some people say like, oh, like for example, those drums sound outdated. And when I hear that, I wanna say that I understand what they're talking about, but also I think sound is omnipresent, meaning like whether it, I mean, I could, I get if you put on something from the 80s and you put on something from now, you're gonna be like, oh, that's from the 80s and that's from Sonically. That, that, yeah. Sonically, right. <laughs> um, but when it comes to just creating, like I just recently have been told people, multiple people it's been trending saying like, oh, you have a specific sound. Mm -hmm. But I still have yet to, not that I don't accept it, I accept it, oh, cool. You but just I, don't hear it. Yeah, I don't know what right. that is, what that sound is. Uh, I'm just doing my best to create the stuff that AI like. Mm -hmm. And there may be things that I don't necessarily feel like I want to share or like, but maybe the team is like, yo, this is dope. And I go with that. I don't say, no, I, I used to, you know, as we were in the beginnings, you used to be like insecure. I think about sharing art because it's, you're the vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm, of, sure. Oh, that's whack or this or whatever. Pick a, a reaction. But I think now having more confidence in what I'm doing, who I am with the team, it's kind of like, okay, cool. And more of the, the peers and mentors that I have in, in my life that I respect say the same thing. Put out your art. Put it out there. You know what I mean? And because what are you doing with songs on your hard drive? What are you doing? The next beat can be the one that gets you to the next place. That That's next place. dishonest. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And to say that, oh, you don't want to do that is like a disrespect to the people who do care about what you are doing. Right. So you mm -hmm. want to, we are in a, you, you say this a lot, we're in a service business, right? right? We are here to serve people. And if people like what you're doing, feed the people. You know what I mean? If people love hot chicken sandwiches well that hot chicken sandwich place is going to pump out hot chicken sandwiches you know what i mean they're not going to go and put triple cheeseburgers on <laughs> no, they're, they're going to put hot chicken sandwiches so there's a balance talking to you talking about the balance there's a definite balance of like you want to do you're going to do what you want to do 100 percent of the time and be unique to yourself as a creative but with the understanding that you're serving you know consumers people who are receiving like to break down gene flow real quick it's it's from an anthropology term it's a group or single uh, gene or a group of genes transformed from one population to another right so the easiest example is like a tadpole going into a frog mm -hmm. right so i took that and i'm like okay well the things that i'm thinking about the stuff that comes from my heart my soul the, the my hands that i'm creating are coming from me going to the consumer, the person who's receiving that energy. Right. So I'm very aware of that. And I tried to pay attention to, I try to pay attention to say what is, I don't like not numbers wise, like, Oh, this beat is doing more numbers on an Instagram video than this one, but more so direct communication from people. You know, especially in the beat now in the beat block community, like I've made it at this point over a year of doing the show very clear. Like, let's be transparent. I'm gonna say 
what I feel. I hope you say what you want to say in the chat and then in the DMs, people are always responding. So giving suggestions, doing so it's a it's a forever evolving thing, but as long as you're aware and you're paying attention to like what's what you're putting out with the intention and the recep reception, I think that it just kind of molds. It's always molding. I'm never again, never in a box, never like I I just I'll get tomorrow. Oh, you sound like this. You have this sound. Cool. Well, tomorrow I might sound different. Yeah. I'm not going to be like yeah. stick to, I don't hear that and say, okay, cool. That's my sound. Put it on a name tag and wear that. You know, it's like, thank you today and tomorrow. That same person might say something completely different because I'm not trying to recycle sounds. I'm not trying to do the same thing and experiencing like, for example, the ponchos, it has evolved I think, in my sound. So another that's a new chapter it's a new sound getting his ex experiences and his influences feeding into my uh experiences i take that you know he comes from he mentioned punk rock and his uh uncle playing in in the band his ex that experience and i would say i come i have more like a jazz soul full inspiration and now those have come together and now i'm going down this road so that's that's being I'm just trying to be present with it right. yeah. definitely it's like but a dialectical relationship yeah. between mm -hmm. your, your your cultural like what your experiences and what you're like um, yeah. He, go, yeah I'm sorry go ahead no no you're, you're I was just <laughs> I was just vibing with what you were saying it's like yeah it's not static it's not like these two separate worlds and then from the art you know it sounds like it's like you know something that's constantly in flux and adjusting itself mm -hmm. and that's that's definitely I think a good way of looking at it yeah and, and the, good way to put he it. mentioned earlier like when we first started working um he didn't say this exactly, but he 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 got the beats and he liked to chop some stuff and make it. He told me, "I'm not the guy. If you want to work like this, I'm not like this. I'm, you're not gonna send me a beat. I'm gonna fill in the spaces and send it back to you. That's just not how I work." But he didn't say that. He did it. He sent it back, and, and I'm not gonna lie. Like this, this uh, taught me a lot about like check my ego and being more open to letting go of like the 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 creative process right where i'd send him stuff and he just said like send me stems and i'm thinking as an engineer like oh he's recording himself cool he wanted the stems and he kind of wanted to like do stuff no he wanted to splice and chop and rearrange <laughs> and add his own stuff and do this and he sent it back and i was like this one completely just took my stuff and made it his own <laughs> thing right but i didn't see like no he was creating our own thing but my selfish ego was like i'm i he didn't even ask he didn't say anything but again that was another experience that had taught me to okay cool um it's actually lessened my approach with building much structure with us because regardless if i make a orchestral piece with all these sections it's still going to be taken revamp <laughs> rearrange this and this and that so it's actually helped me to be like more simplistic and not overthink the creative like going from here to here to the the, the end the product is quicker now I'm going from yeah. a to b before and i would sit there and be like okay intro first mm. bridge hook no it's got to come back around let's take this piece in here and do that now it's just like okay get it out put it on the like, literally just splash the paint on the canvas <laughs> and then the pieces go to the next phase and then the pieces then come to the next phase and it, it's cool it's a cool it's been a cool journey and right yeah. now is like most free creative i think i've been ever 
Most definitely. Yeah. And, that, and well, now we're going to kind of change gears, I think, and just talk about, I think, just rep- representation okay. in hip-hop in the scene right now. Sure. And so I just want to get both your, like, takes on, you know, Latino representation, you know, Chicano representation in mm-hmm. hip-hop. So, especially as Latino, like, Chicano listeners are increasingly becoming a growing fan base uh, within the genre, and Latino artists are becoming more prominent, like, what do you all feel about that? Like, how do you feel the representation is, and is what direction is it going? Um... I mean, that's, it's definitely, like, something that's near and dear to my heart. I feel, like, again, just growing up the way I did, being around other kids like me, I think that if, I, if I'm honest and I look at Latinos' roles in the community, we're lopsided to certain vibes, for sure. Um for like every two mechs you have, you know, you have 2,000 littles, you know, little whatever, that's representing a, a, a voice that I still believe needs to be heard, but it is just representing normally like a block or a, 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 f- a few mile radius, um, as opposed to like, say like an artist, two mechs is representing thinking about what multi-dimensional universes are right and that has to exist because if it doesn't where does that leave our people like that we don't have that that we're not layered like that we're not so so much deeper than what i think society allows us to be and it, the reason it's it holds so heavy for me is because I think that hip hop has all the tenets that it needs to change that conversation, but it looks like it's going to take us to engage that conversation because it's not going to be done for us. It's it's already been proven. That's no diss to the the hip hop community in any way, but it hasn't been done for us. What's mostly been represented is like the easiest way you can package us, and then that's been thrown out. You know, with the occasional things, you know, it like for by all means, pun is one of the greatest of all time. But we've had other greats since then is they just don't get talked about, man. Let's just be real. Nobody. If you've ever heard Sick Jackin from Cycle Realm, then you know that, oh, high level lyricists exist and people who, who have different styles and different. It's crazy. Like some of our uh, indigenous cats. Mm-hmm. They're monsters. Um, but they will currently have to like scratch and claw to get beyond like their local scene because what's being accepted beyond the local scene, is, at least from like the Latino community, is what can be easily translated on a can it be put on Netflix? If it can't, mm. then then we can't. We're not, they're not ready for it yet, or at least that's the way they feel. And I just think that that's not true because I, I, I know y'all, I know, I know tons of people who want that and desire that and, and care to, to sit with records and grow with their art. That's one of the things I don't think that they let Latino artists do is it's very, it's very rare. We've only had, and we know who they are. They're the icons. But outside of that, it's very rare that you allow them to grow and manifest as artists through time. Like, to see the curvature of their progression. It's usually just take them early or take them, you know what I mean? Or don't take them at all. Right. You know? And hopefully that's, I feel that's just changing in culture in general. 
But in the Latino community specifically, I think we have to, we have to change that. So what does that mean? Maybe that means that some of our OGs need to like shake off the fucking dust and make <laughs> new shit. Like you don't have to be new to make new shit. Like that's real. If you have the talent, if you're an artist, that should always be progressing, right? That should not ever stop. It should never ever stop. So like even back to us, like our sound. We won't sound the way we sound now next year. I promise you, I guarantee you, it will be different. And I think that's the only way to exist as an artist truly. And so I think some of our OGs should do that, but also uh, I, I have a lot of faith in the younger cats coming up. I see a lot of the, the younger cats. I work with them a lot. Um, and I have a lot of faith. We have some beasts coming up that are Latino people in hip hop. There's dude, a dude named Zena Loa out of Orange County, who's amazing, not just as like a, a, a lyricist, as a rapper, but as a person. In fact, everyone I'm talking about, just assume I first decided that they were great people. Indigenous cats, um, I think they're they're amazing. All East of the River, they're amazing. 86. Uh, 86 Inca, I see what they're doing out there. All these different things, but also like people like Tumex who just released another song. Like it doesn't end for anybody if you don't want it to. And I think if the Latino community is a community that understands that first, then that can put us back into play in a bigger way. You know, if we're the ones who bring that to the hip hop community, like the true understanding of like, oh yeah, our culture has always worked through the ages. Like, right, we all, everyone respects Nana, everybody respects Tata, everybody respects Tio, everybody, like there's, and each level has a different job, a different thing. We're very well versed at that in our culture. Probably better than most. We sh if we brought that to hip hop, to the hip hop community as a way to look at, this is how we should look at all of our artists. There's all relevant places. We need to know the angst of you being 18, but we also need to know that you figured it out at 40. Like we need to know that answer. Like you can't just keep that from us. And, and so I feel like, yeah, I feel like we're underrepresented in the right ways. I, I, I do think that it tips too much. And like, dude, by no means, no disrespect to, to anybody doing it because this is hard enough. But I do feel that way. And, 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 and I don't think it is a disrespect because it isn't up to the artist. It's, it's the infrastructure that's choosing this. Right. You know? So we just need to be louder, I think. Mm -hmm. You know? I definitely think. Yeah, absolutely. And then like, and like a willingness to like try new things. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I always say like, especially like Chicano artists, I mean, like how many times are we going to hear the same sample of Oh Honey or Brandon Wood right. or Hey Lonely Ross Girls, you know, like yeah. flip the same time. I mean, you know, like you have to mm -hmm. push the envelope and, you know, try new things at yeah. some point. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like there are pockets, at least I've seen, like we've been, we've played places like in L.A., um, where you see like some interesting sounds, like we're like, oh, okay, this has that, you know, what people would neighborly normally call like neighborhood music or cholo music, you know, but they, but but they are pushing, they are asking a bigger question, and that does exist, and that's why I just want to like, especially our community, like to encourage them to like, dude, just dig, it is there for sure. You will for sure find whatever you're into you'll find that version in a Latino hip hop artist somewhere because the one thing that hip hop does do really well is when it's done right, it is very welcoming. 
it's very welcoming. I've seen people of many different cultures find peace through hip hop and, and art in general. And it has that, it has that potential. And I just think that in the Latino community, we need to like not be afraid to share the different voices that we have, you know? Because they're so great. Like we have so many. Oh, definitely. And so, I mean, I guess that brings us, because now we're talking about like things, um, you know, that are kind of moving beyond just like what's happening now and like more into the future, right? So what do you all think? In what way do you, I guess, just aim to make a difference and influence that change that we're talking about is needed? We're talking about like, you know, the future of, of the scene and the underground hip hop. Uh, through your music. So how do you aim to make a difference and influence that change through your music, you know, either as, you know, individuals, but also as obviously the invisible ponchos? I feel for me, I've noticed that my energy is going more towards sharing the experience of the artist that is like unsure, mm. struggling with identity. Um, do I put my music out? Am I doing this for, you know, there's artists that are say like, oh, I'm only doing this for me, but yet they have an Instagram and they put their music out, you know, oh, but I'm doing this for me. I am trying to, like with, through the beat block, through you know, my part with platform collection, Invisible Ponchos, just want to be a pillar of someone who's like, hey, I'm an example of someone who's in your shoes. You know what I mean? I've gone through experiences Maybe not as many as others, but maybe more than some. Mm -hmm. And what I can share is that, you know, don't worry about a thing <laughs> and just focus on who, who are you? Who you yeah. want to be? What do you want to do? And that answers everything. The stuff, well, as long as you take the steps, which I've been taught a lot and told a lot in these last few years, just take the steps. Uh, and, and you'll go, you know. I like to quote, I've heard this, I get this quote from a specific person, but I'm sure it's been told a million different ways, but there's a comedian, Eric Griffin, that I heard say once, and I believe he was talking about his buddy, saying like, hey, in this, and what we do, and he was referring to comedy, but we tie a lot with comedy and, and hip hop and as an artist, you don't fail, you quit eventually. You know, because if you stay the course, if you keep doing what you're gonna, you want to do, if you believe what you're doing, you have, you go with the right intentions. You're going to meet the right people. It's going to link you to the right environments. It's going to give you the right opportunities, and it's up to you to, to see those things and take it, take advantage. And some people might hear this and say, "Oh, take advantage." And, you know, people misinterpret taking of advantage course, yeah. uh, in many ways, but. Take the take advantage of the things that are being presented into your the universe. Blessings. You know exactly. Thank you. The blessings, and for me, sometimes when I, and this is a message to anybody listening to this, if you're having moments of doubt, uh, you're not doing enough, or you know you're not where you want to be. Think about your position on this word gratitude, because if you're grateful for the things that you have currently the same positions that you're in the experiences that you've had the stuff that you're creating the, 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 the angst won't exist you know that you can't yeah. <laughs> so so yeah that's my my anybody who's listening to this everybody who's listening to this whatever you're going through it's going to be all good you're going to get through it you're going to get out of it 
So you guys kind of touched on this a little bit earlier about like your sound isn't going to look the isn't going to sound the same now as it is in a couple of years. And I want to ask you, how do you see your sound evolving over the next couple of years? Um, I I feel like this is probably something. I mean, uh, me and Gene have talked about this a lot. Like so, um, we just like logistically, I think we'll we're still at the beginning phases of like building invisible ponchos. So we're touring next year. Um, we're trying to be in the studio right now. Like literally we're trying to like get some stuff done during the winter. Um, we're going to be putting out a bunch of singles. We're playing with the idea of putting out some instrumental stuff. I'm certain at some point, you know, like we're platform collection, like we have a desire to push a gene flow record. We have a desire to, you know, so there's going to be other things. I think just in, Invisible Ponchos has become, even I think for like our team, I've noticed this, right? right? Like it has become kind of like the center point of like, we're all kind of like the Invisible Ponchos when we're together. Like I, it's kind of our jump off point. I think it's always, we always talk about building a universe. Like, like that's what we really like to do. Like we music is part of that, but ultimately we like to build a universe. Like we feel like Parker's now in that universe, Eddie's in that universe, right? Beat blocks in that universe, Heartful Truth is like all these different things are in that universe. And people come in and out, there's characters. Um, because I feel like um in in a lot of ways that it's how people take things in anyways. I think it's unavoidable. We kind of build these things around things. And so if we can make that easier for the audience we are going to do that we like having a conversation with our audience this is like you know full transparency uh full transparency um this is like really the first la these last two years have been really the first years even for me and i can speak for us because we've talked about this but we're like we have a fan base where that we're having actually having a conversation with. it's never happened before you know like it took a long time to build that and so now that we're having that, I know that they are going to help us evolve as well. Because, for instance, when we first started this, we wanted to wreck hip-hop shows. And we found that the thing that people were connecting with a lot of the times at our shows were what we were saying exactly. And the conversations we were having with them between songs. And the fact that we talk a lot about mental health and, like, because we're de we deal with it, so people. And in many, many we have a lot of Latino fans, right? And they come yeah. from backgrounds like us, where yeah. it's taboo to talk about your feelings. Yeah, and so Machismo. when they go, right, when they go to a live show, we're all open, like, like super open about it. That just drops yeah. their guard, down, you know. Yeah, what I mean? and, and we've and I've been seeing that become a thing now. Like now, people are coming to the shows for that, and so that again, I know that's gonna affect how we make music because we like that conversation um but i i feel like we're always looking for a future sound i know like we're always doing that i know for me like he, he tapped into we're making you know we're getting in the studio we're creating new stuff we're going to be sounding you know we're always evolving sounding different and there's a part of me where at this point i can go in and do my normal thing but uh, I was just actually thinking about this while we were sitting here when the question was asked. 
I'm gonna put it into like billiards or pool terms, right? I can go on there, set the rack, hit the balls one by one, get it in there into the corners. But at, I'm trying to approach trick shots right now. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I'm trying to do new yeah. things that I haven't even tried to do, new, you know, and just to see. Yeah, to see, push push the boundaries. We, you know, we tapped, we've had a conversation, we've had multiple conversations of wanting to do, say, like covers of other mm -hmm. genres oh, of I music. I too, by the way. We're doing, we're doing it for sure and but i also want to take like necessary covers but also tap into like take inspiration from some of these ideas that we have and, and restructuring into our own thing and especially do, stuff that goes live like do ponchos versions away. of our cup of cover. Yeah. it won't be again we don't do anything like you've seen before right, right? we don't do the, the standing on stage rapping we don't do just normal shows and we're not going to do normal remixes or yeah. covers it's gonna be our it's, version. We're doing trick shots. Yeah. We do trick shots, you know. So, awesome. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah. I love the trick shot analogy. It's awesome. Yeah. Right now, we're, we're really big on, like, especially with our live shows, is, like, we have long dialogues with not just us, like, the entire team as we're building the stories of, like, oh, this is going to be a moment. Like, we just did um, the first time we performed back into, like, the San Diego circuit in, like, a while was a show called Slapping Hands that Rick, Rick Scales throws. Shout and out to Rick Scales. Shout, shout out, out to Rick Scales. Scales. <laughs> um, and he invited us out. And so we came up with like, and it's one of those ones that you just had to be there because it was like people after, like dude, people we know who are like rapper rappers came up to me with tears in their eyes and they were just like, yo, like this was a moment. Like y'all told like a story of like kind of like San Diego hip hop through this thing. And it was so dope. Like it was so, so dope. Like we even had, um, there was a moment during our show, which I just, I just caught on video the other day that I had almost forgotten that happened. But like our, the homie called Lee had just lost his dad. And we had like this moment for his dad on stage. And that was just kind of impromptu. It was literally like, we just felt like, oh shit. And I don't, like, I don't, I am down for however you want to approach your art, and, and especially hip-hop specifically, if you're a rapper, however you approach it. How I approach it is I get myself into a state that I need to feel every audience member, I need to feel the room, and that can make me do a bunch of different shit. Like, it can make, it just depends on what that energy's at. Sometimes it's dope, sometimes it's not, like, sometimes it just is what it is. But we talk about it a lot. Like, for me, I, I'm surfing. That's what I'm doing. When I'm on stage, I'm surfing. And that thing can crash. And so what you're watching is someone risk, willing to risk it all. Like, you see me doing something on there, and you're like, whoa, that looks crazy. Believe in my mind, I'm going like, yeah, this looks crazy. <laughs> and I just want to I wanna see. I want to I wanna live in that space. And if it's not that, I'm not that interested in it. Like, for me, I'm not that interested that's just not something that's going to get me to go through everything we go through to make the things we do. It has to mean that much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. at this point. Yeah. Most definitely, man. And earlier you guys were talking about this, like having this dialogue back and forth between your audience that up until recently didn't exist, mm -hmm. you know, between like the listener artist relationship. And I wanted yeah. to ask you guys, what do you believe is the role of social media in the music industry today? And what role has social media Ooh. contributed to your music? Because you guys have, I feel like as artists, you guys exist in this world 
pre-social media. For sure. Mm-hmm. And they're still making music in this era where it's like some younger cats out there, they don't know a world without it. Right. You know, I feel like you guys could add a little perspective. I don't know. How did it change for you? I think it's just, it created an open world. If you want to talk, you know, like video games. Mm. It created an open world. As opposed to like the one block that you had pre, you know, selling CDs out of your trunk. The furthest you went out of your trunk was to the local mall. However, you could, however much money you had to drive. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And so it, <laughs> that the, was your market. It kept you there. <laughs> or if you were like, they didn't have a car, you hopped on the trolley, you went downtown, you went as far as the line can go and back. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was it. Mm-hmm. I think now with social media, like my first album I ever dropped was with somebody I went online through. He was in New Jersey. You know what I mean? I got a guy who. Uh, bought a beat off me off MySpace and he made a song featuring C Ray's Walls. Oh yeah, and, I remember. And, yeah, and yeah. I was just like again, these like this can happen through and again I still didn't know what I, I sent him the beat and he did his thing and sent it back and there it was it. At that point I didn't consider myself a producer. Mm-hmm. I just like I made beats and well I did. I did, but I didn't understand the nuance behind it, you know. Sure. And uh, in today's world Social media has allowed myself to tell a story that I have would maybe rather been insecure to share, yeah. or you know, the, the internet storytelling can, is big. The internet yeah. is beautiful and it sucks, right? Because <laughs> you have people who yeah. will go in there and you're being so vulnerable, and then you might have people come in there and just shit <laughs> on you, yeah. right? <laughs> and but you're but, fat. But the quicker you can. Focus only on those who are like really genuine because you can see clearly who's genuinely right. um, part of your community, right? Who wants to be involved, asking the right questions, going into things, and you have other people who are like in your DMs, like, "Yo, I make logos, hit me up." I, you know, so and so graphics, this and this. Or and I'm that. the dopest, right? Yeah, I'm the dopest. How come you don't fuck with me? Right, or you have I've had that. Or you have uh, producers be like, "You'll buy my beat," and I'm like, "They're missing." Yeah. They, you know, I'm I a, am a I'm producer. producer right? Right. Right. Wrong right. audience, right? Um, you just don't but, care. They just don't care. Yeah, but if you, you know, I heard Gary V say this. Uh, he says like to elder people who don't understand like social media, and they say, "Oh, social media is so bad, so bad, so bad." But like, if you focus on it, right? Because it's yin and yang. Anything's yin and yang. Like, you have your bad and you have your good, right? Where's your intention with it? What, it's a tool, right? right How exactly. are you using the tool? Mm-hmm. Are you using the hammer to break car windows and rob somebody? Or are you using your Early hammer houses. to nail, nail, nails, <laughs> nail, nails, hammer nails into wood, right? And building a community or building Precisely. something, right? right? So I think the power in the social media is in your hands and your intentions and how you want to use it. It's a paintbrush. It's just another paintbrush. You know, you can, you can, you can paint hateful shit or you don't. I think our team has really gotten really good at just storytelling. At least that's what we're focusing on because that's the part of our audience that they want to know that part. There was a clear, uh, there was a clarification in our last team meeting about social media. And I I chuckle about it because it's, it's real, especially if you're trying to use it as the tool as a professional, right? Are oh. you going and using Instagram as a 15 year old girl, yeah. posting selfies and like, yeah, then it will <laughs> be what they get out, right? Of it. Fiending for the comments and the likes and all this, or are you using it as another marketing tool, another branding tool, another yeah. exposure tool, another a megaphone, right? Are you using right. it as a megaphone, right? You know, right. for 
for a message that you have thought out carefully. Mm-hmm. And neither can right, be that too. If you want to use it as as that, mm-hmm. either way, cool. But like, if you're saying you're a professional and you're post, you know, do using it this way, yeah. you're kind of using it the wrong right. way. And if yeah. you, yeah, I guess the other way would be bad benefit for this. But if you're a teenage girl and you're using it as a professional, social media is the media, and people forget that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Just like you know, it's yeah. definitely the tool like you mentioned, and some some people. Use it um, to destroy something because it's always easier to destroy something than it is to construct, right? Yeah. To right. build something up. It's always easier to throw a wrench in a machine than take that wrench and fix that, that busted-ass machine. Yeah. So, and people, know. again, the, if, you're not have the, if you don't have the security, if you don't have um, the tools to, say, to block the rain, yeah. if people coming at you, it's going to kill you. It's going right. to tear you apart. You're not even – you will disappear. Mm-hmm. You'll go away because you haven't yet gone through the things that you needed to go through because you're now allowing everything outside to fuck with you in your head. You know, it, it just dawned on me that there's probably, there's probably people listening to this that are not having a good time online, right? Like maybe they don't have a good time. And I think you can change your perspective. Here's a way you can use social media. And this is like, you really have to let this sit in with you. One, life is hard, okay? And and you're gonna need a lot of things in your life tested. One of those things is your ego and your pride. Or two of those things, your ego and your pride, right? You can go out and pick fights in the street and fight all the time, or you can Get your authentic self, put it in front of people in a picture where they you don't even need to talk to these, you don't even need to see them, and practice. Because I for sure, if you can't take that, the picture that you're posting, be, from being torn down, you're not going to be able to take yourself from being torn down in person. So if you, if it is being, if you are having a hard time and you're like, man, I'm not finding, you know, people are being mean or whatever. No, dude, it's a great class. It's a great, and it's safe. It's a safe class. Oh, yeah. They can't even punch through that screen. Yeah, <laughs> they can't. Mm-hmm. And and a block feature is all in on every phone. It's yeah. there. It's it's fine. Like don't. I would love for the future generations, and I believe it is. It's going to happen. I mean, we're we're really only one generation away from this conversation not even being relevant. Like the, this little section, right? Of what is what's the, the meaning changes. of social media? Yeah. Right. At some point, we will all have figured it out. Everybody will sit with it, and we will not know a time. Before it. Oh, before it, right? Um, I saw this. This is what we will be the ancestors, those right? To know for right. sure, pre-social yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. exactly, it, it, dude. We occupy a very special place, dude. Like I think a knowledge pre-internet, it, you couldn't be in more of a special place because you can see the youth. You understand where the youth is coming from. You understand what's next. You see what's on their plate, but you also see like where we came from. That's a that's an amazing time to be alive, and and for really everyone in this room, just your age range, to be alive at right now, is amazing. It's a ama- it's a miracle. Any twenty year old yeah. now, even a twenty year old, yeah, doesn't yeah. know what life was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. They have no yeah. idea. They have no idea. That's a grown. That's an adult. Someone going Someone into in college adult. now. Yeah. Right. Which is insane. So if you can that. just, if you just have any memory of it or any knowing of it, you have this little layer of knowledge that other people won't have. And you can either sit there and point out how things have changed for you or you can use that knowledge 
and show people, oh, here's some other alternative. Hey, here are other ways we looked at it. Here are other things. Guess what? Social media is not that important in the big scheme of things. It is just paint. It's just a brush. It's not the painting. It isn't that. It's not the people that are going to come and see the painting. It's none of those things. It's just the paint. That's it. Don't get bent out of shape of paint. Change the paint. You can change it. Just get out of Instagram. Go somewhere else. Like, you'll find it. There's shit loads of things. But if your big thing is like, no, I want to be popular on the most popular thing, then know what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. That's that comes with a lot. And that's oh, yeah. and the people who do that, it's all they do. That's all they do. So if you're not willing to do that, then don't even play that game. You know what I mean? Like it's it social media is nothing to get bent out of shape for. It for sure isn't. And for people let's say like in our community who've never had tools just given to them, here's a free one you can use mm-hmm. right now. It's free. Like that motherfucker is free in most places. You could go find Wi-Fi like and get your message out there very easily. It's taken away a lot of excuses. And I think that that's when people find problems with a lot of times, it is it is more of the fear that they don't have an excuse anymore. Because logically, anyone can see that anything can be good or bad, right? We can all see that. So if you're too focused on social media is horrible, that's kind of a lazy argument. That's a lazy argument. Because in, in one suggestion i'm sure anyone in this room could tear that down i think with one suggestion i think anyone who uses that that point of view on social media just hasn't used it the way they can Mm -hmm. possibly use Mm -hmm. it you know they're using it the way sue's using it they're using it the way john's using it right in the way the cnn's using it or you know whatever like the routine right but we're kind of i mean we're people and everyone in this room aren't that with those people right. you know nah. so yeah. apply, but, but i feel yeah. like i'm finding new ways there all the time on social media it's like oh shit here's a new way to put yeah. this message or always a new way tools yeah. again tools yeah for people to use to help yeah build benefit right they're not like hey you can use this to go stop i don't know whatever not even to acknowledge anything negative but it's a good i i Perspective, right? Yeah. Like you said perspective. Right. right. Yeah. You can have people who say it's terrible and you have people who say it's a beautiful thing. Right. Absolutely. Well, with that said, guys, what can you tell us about upcoming projects that you have lined up in the future for 2023? Uh, like I said, we're in the studio right now. Um, we definitely do have another single ready. We're, we need to put some finishing touches on it. I think Gene needs to come in and play on it. But there's a, uh, it's called The Rain. It's a song that'll be coming out. When is this coming out? Do you know? It's going to be a minute. This will probably come out sometime after New Year's. Okay, so yeah. perfect. Yeah, so we'll have a single called The Rain, um, which will be coming out. It's just a little morsel for you guys um, as we get ready to uh, drop a bunch of music. But really what we would love for people to do is come and see us live. Um, and so we're putting this out there for for anybody. We'll we'll come play for you. Like literally we've talked about this for a while. We we're we're going to be filming a documentary um over this these next few months with us Noah James, 60 East, Curtis King. It's going to be a documentary on underground hip hop. Um going to be following all of us. So I would love for people who watch this movie to see what we really go through. So if you got a dope backyard 
if you got like i'm trying to show the community every type of show that we have to do because i've done we've done arenas a, a we've donkey, done we'll perform at a donkey <laughs> yeah, yeah what's, 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 we're about an abandoned lot yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah abandoned yeah, lot down yeah, the corner that we're yeah, trying to get right, turned exactly, into a community exactly, space exactly yeah. yeah i'm down so hit us there and i swear that we'll come up with a show that'll fit in perfectly um we want the challenge though here we go yeah so and, and watch b block watch b block every monday on YouTube, Platform Collection's YouTube channel. Yeah. Go there, Platform Collection YouTube. Yeah, every general. Heartful Truth, Christie's The Internet, Parker Edison Project. Yeah. And the like. Yeah, with that said, I was going to say, where can people find and follow you guys online to see all of your work and all the latest updates for music, shows, promotions, other events, and podcasts? Theinvisibleponchos.com. Go there. Um, and at Platform Collection on Instagram. Uh, check out that. That's our team. We're doing a lot of dope, interesting things. If you want to link with us, if you want to book us um, for anything, hit up Platform Collection. Um, they'll take care of everything. And shout out to you guys, man. Thank you guys so much for having us. You can Thank also you. Our pleasure. Social media at oh, Gene yes. underscore Flow on Instagram, at Kill C Ray on everything. Yeah, R E Y. R E Y. C, the letter C, not S E E. Yep. Uh, follow uh, OG Hip Hop Eddie on Instagram for all bookings. Yep. Uh, yeah, Melly, Melly Baby Hill Seven. Shout out to yeah, shout out to Melly, shout out to Seven, shout out to Parker Edison, the Invisible Poncho. The Invisible Poncho. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, do you have any closing comments or anything else you'd like to let our listeners know about yourself or anything we might have missed? We got some really dope videos out. Yeah. We got some dope music out. We make everything. I mean, we we record ourselves. We master it. We do it. Nothing leaves our ha hands before it gets to you guys. Videos, direct Videos, editing, we direct them, edit them, shoot them. Do our marketing, yep. branding, merch. Yeah. Everything we post is us. So please just come and check us out live. That, that's what I would love for you guys to do the most. I think we're doing something special. And um, that'll be the, if that's really a good that. start. Of, if yeah. that's, if you haven't if you know nothing about the Invisible Ponchos and you're listening to this, yeah. see us live. That'll literally be the start button on the video. Yeah, game. if you think we're whack live, we'll be whack all the time to you. <laughs> <laughs> that literally is like the, that'll be the best. Because then if you see us live, yeah, if you yeah. a live show, then, then you'll you hear about us. the Invisible Ponchos. You'll check out the InvisiblePonchos.com. You'll check out all the content. Yeah. You'll hear the music. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a great jump in. Is like you could, the live show is our moment. Yeah. It's the moment, you know. Well, I think it's safe to say we'll definitely say everyone listening to this podcast episode definitely go see the Invisible Ponchos. I'm really excited for upcoming shows. I'll definitely be there. I'll be Please. bringing all my people. So Most super excited. Definitely. Yes. Well, with that said, Internets, Kilsey Ray, and Gene Flo, they are the Invisible Ponchos. Make sure to check them out in town here in San Diego. And with that said, brothers, thank you again for coming to the show. Thank you, guys. Appreciate thank you. it. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And with that said, we out. Yep. Peace. Well, that's our show. Once again, big shout out to Kilsey Ray and Gene Flo. Internets, you can catch the Invisible Ponchos performing on February 25th at the People's Block Party at the San Diego Justice Center. We're going to conclude today's show with a joint from the Invisible Ponchos. It's their latest single. It's called Introduction. And with that said, Internets, we out. Something's happening right here in the middle of Sand City. You hear that? Something's happening. It's 
Focus on the highest state of my man, we are not the same. This is not my plane of existence, nah. None of my team needs assistance. We burn through pistons, they whistling my hot shit, my thought shit, my engines, they listening. I'ma wet your mind, call it christening, yeah. What side of the fence you put your fist in, bro? It's really gon' matter in the end. You define every move, are you blam fam? Talking all that flam flam, homie, center up, cause you offset, yeah. I am circled up like a mosh pit, man. I am Mach 10 in a cockpit, keys like a locksmith. Always write my plots thick. Poncho, watch the clock tick. Never feed the rumors, all the hate, all the toxic. And I'm always on some block shit. Please don't even mention my name. I am not crazy. I am he who elevates. Mind in the future and my heart in the grave. And I don't believe in time. I can't walk your path, homie. I walk the line and I'm fine. And I'm fine. And I'm fine. They call him Cray, they call him Cray. They call him I never paint your wall any mind. I infinitely radiate through borders. I do not dance for your quarters, nah. We could not fail if you paid us, homie. This is brown excellence. I am A plus, plus. It don't make a dent. I spent so much time in your mind. I'll pay you rent, yeah. You gon' regret what you spent. I saved half the scene with. I spend in a cent, and they sent every time. Dick, brick, and rock, man. Why? How you gonna stone me in the flock, man? How? Watch me cross them up, crucifixion. Talk about a Jesus complex. Check my diction, yeah. Poncho, watch the clock tick. Never feed the rumors, all the hate, all the toxic, yeah. And he always rep the right thing. Never even mention his name. He is not Gene. He is he who elevates. Mind in the future and his heart in the crates. And he don't believe in time. He can't walk your path, homie. He walks the line and he's fine. And he's fine. And he's fine. They call him flow, they call him flow. They call me focus on the highest state of mind, man. This is not a race. Don't fake my truth. I know my place. We're here to inspire and spike the desire to hire my ego. But that's no amigo. We ponchos and we go where most don't believe that your mind can't conceive. Don't be blind to the sea. You planted your feet. Stand firm on these streets. This community and we tight, man. Be transparent with your life, fam. This episode of Step Off Radio is recorded at the Justice Center, San Diego, and our music was done by DJ Root. This has been a Step Off Magazine production.